This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, we hear a lot about what we can do to fight climate change through our individual consumer choices. Using reusable bags, buying more eco-friendly products, composting. What if we expand that to the role that we can play in the place that we spend eight or more hours every day? Yeah, I'm talking about the workplace. Joining us now to discuss different strategies is Austin Whitman, CEO of Climate Neutral. It's a nonprofit that provides certification for companies to eliminate carbon. Welcome, Austin. Hi there. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining. Also here is Karen Weigert, director of Loyola University's Baumart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. And she's also Reset's sustainability contributor. Hey, Karen. Welcome back. Hey, Sasha, how are you? Doing well. Uh, starting with you, Karen, I wonder what you say to employees who might have listened to that intro and wonder, do I even have the ability to change what my company does? It's a great question. Uh, and I'd actually start with this, which is right now there are multiple surveys that show employees and employment seekers consider sustainability to be one of the attractive things about an employer. So the short answer is it's actually really going to matter to your employer if they can find more ways to be sustainable. And so then it's absolutely there are things that everyone can do because every organization can become more sustainable, and it often is finding tactical and practical things that fit your segment. Well, so what do you say then to the decision makers at these companies who might wonder the same thing? Well, definitely, um, yes, and uh, certainly think about your employees and thinking about what matters to them. But also, there are business opportunities that are growing from this space. If it's from you know, someone who might be your supplier or your customer, they're increasingly aligning around net zero or they're aligning around sustainable development goals or there might be future mandates around disclosure. So there's business opportunity to be had there as well. And it comes back down to, okay, so what industry are you in and what kind of decisions can you make now that set up different decisions down the road? So absolutely, there's opportunity mm-hmm. to be had across the board. Austin, many people reach out to you for certification um, and they're employees at these companies. So what's it like to see more people interested in doing this work? Yeah, I think one of the most exciting things that we've seen as we've gone over the last few years is that a lot of companies come to us and tell us that they're job uh, candidates are actually saying, you know, what, what are you all doing about climate and sustainability during the interview process? So we see a lot of the groundswell happening there. And then within companies that have gone through our certification process, we also see company, uh, we also see individuals at, at companies uh, often kind of serving on sustainability working groups. And these individuals don't necessarily uh, occupy the C-suite, but, you know, oftentimes they're associates, analysts, people uh, at the bottom of the chain and uh, they see a good idea and they say, well, I'm going to try to convince my colleagues to um, to come along with me and, uh, and, and press the company to do more. I want to get into the nuts and bolts, Karen. What are some steps that companies can take here? So there's a range. And like most things, some of this is about understanding your industry and then understanding what your opportunities are. And those link to the biggest places where you work. But in general, everybody's got some kind of real estate footprint. If it's renting or owning and there's energy used in those buildings, everybody has something that relates to transportation. And so how do you think about electrification or efficiency to drive there? And then everyone can build stronger teams. That's a critical factor for everyone leading organizations. How do we keep our people connected to each other? But then how do we keep them connected to innovation? And that's where you look for those biggest impacts. And that's often where you tie sustainability to your core business. Can you both reduce costs and grow revenue by thinking about sustainability? Mm -hmm. Pulling your team together can help answer that. 
Yeah, talk more about that, forming teams. That's very interesting and sounds very helpful. Absolutely. And practical solutions are critical here. And so pulling together teams creates that opportunity for folks to get to know one another better, to build those connections in your organization, but also then to have someone directly in his or her role say, listen, this doesn't work, but here's a different way of doing it. And it actually can reduce our environmental footprint. Or Mm -hmm. here's a way that we can innovate. And I've been thinking about this. So it's, it's interesting to see that you're seeing teams being built in almost every industry, from railroads through consumer packaged goods to tech companies. And people with the applied knowledge are thinking about how to make their organization stronger. They're getting to know each other, and they're reducing environmental impact. And Austin, you are really focused on on steps that organizations can take right now, you know, next year as well as the year after, which is very different than what we've heard lots, uh, which is, you know, waiting until uh, closer to the 2030 or 2050 goalposts of, of lowering carbon emissions. Can you talk more about that that choice? Yeah, that's a really deliberate choice that we've made because we've seen a lot of companies talk about what they're going to do in 20 or 30 years. And you and I know that the number of CEOs that uh, a company will go through in that time period, you know, maybe three, four or five. Um, and so the accountability over that long multi-decade period is really pretty limited. So we've said, you know, to have an honest conversation about climate change and what needs to be done, you really need to be honest with yourselves about kind of how far behind we all are on reversing the, the emissions curve. And and we've also found that companies, uh, in, in spite of kind of some of the more cynical views, companies actually want to do more uh, and sometimes are at a loss as to what they can do immediately. So we encourage companies to do as much as they can to compensate for emissions uh, literally today uh, while working on longer term plans to reduce those emissions. Reducing emissions is difficult. And it takes time to plan. It takes time to form these teams that we're just talking about. Yeah, uh, get people aligned, and um, and and spending money today is really uh, a, a great way to start to mitigate. Your first step is to help companies assess their carbon footprint, um, then strategize about ways to become carbon neutral. Can you just explain, Austin, what that means exactly, and and why that's an important starting point? Yeah, I think of uh, carbon neutrality as kind of a stepping stone on the way to a net zero world. And, and if folks aren't familiar with what net, net zero is, it should be uh, hopefully becoming more and more uh, well understood. Net zero is a point that the globe needs to reach by 2050 to avoid the worst effects of climate change. And carbon neutrality is something that can happen really at any level, a, a company, a city, even a household. Uh, and it simply refers to a state in which that entity's emissions are being compensated for with investments in things like renewable energy certificates, which support the growth of wind and solar and and other things like that, as well as carbon offsets, which can come from a whole range of projects from forests to electric vehicle charging stations. So achieving carbon neutrality in the near term is a good stepping stone to get toward that future that we're trying to achieve. You know, Karen, I know that there are some folks listening right now and, and thinking, how can we possibly pay for all of this? What do you say to that? There are parts today uh, that can save money. And you know, so I think it's always important to say there are, there are quick wins right away that will pay for themselves. You know, they can be things as, you know, as clear-cut as energy efficiency in your building. So you don't pay for the energy you don't use. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be ways also right now to think about a different kind of sourcing for one of the components in a product that you might be creating. But then to also recognize there are things that pay off now and there are things that we're not ready for in terms of the economics paying off 
right away, but there are actually policies that can support that. So those are some of the questions we have to look at is what can you get paid for right now? Look to things like your local utility because chances are there's state policies that is creating dollars through all of us, through ratepayers, that can provide some incentives. So there might be things that work right away in your company's economics. There might be ways to have partnership and dollars come in that can also add to this right now. And then we have to look you know, longer term at some of the things that might be outside of the current economic structure and get innovative. And how do we think about ways to produce dollars aligned with carbon reduction? There are a lot of ways today, but we still need more for tomorrow. What do you think, Austin? What can you add to that for folks who are doubting that this can be affordable? But uh, at some level, it, it won't be affordable to deal with the consequences of inaction. Um, but, you know, I think something we've, we've tried to emphasize is climate change can be a really overwhelming problem. Uh, but when you boil it down at kind of the level of a product or, or a service that you deliver, it's actually not that expensive to deal with. Um, even when you look at the projections at a global level of the investment that's needed, it's only a, a couple percent of, uh, of global uh, economic activities. So think of that down at the level of a, um, you know, a product or a service. You know, if you're wearing a t-shirt that costs $50, it may just be a, you know, 20, 30 cents, um, kind of to deal with the carbon emissions, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that shirt is, is tied to. So we try to break it down into a very simple chunk like that. And, um, and talk about the, the relatively low cost of mitigating relative to the high cost of not. Help us understand, Austin, the, the benefit of going through your certification process, like not just for the company, but for you know consumers and, and the world. Yeah, so I mean, let's start with the world because that's obviously why we're, we're in, in business as a nonprofit. Um, but the benefit of, of taking a company through the process is it it raises the level of investment flowing into the types of things that we need to reduce carbon emissions around the globe. Uh, and the more companies we can get through the process, the more we're uh, driving investment into the kinds of clean energy and, and other uh, projects that need to happen. At the company level, uh, there's certainly benefit to going through carbon measurement because it teaches you a lot more about your business and helps you answer the question about how you're contributing to the climate problem and what you can do uh, to clean it up. And then down to the consumer level, uh, the certification becomes a really easy to understand and clear symbol of the companies that are taking these steps versus the companies that are not. So when you're there at the purchase, uh, purchase point where you're mm-hmm. trying to make a decision from one product, uh, to another, you're able to choose one and drive your consumer dollars toward companies that are taking more responsibility and being more accountable for their impacts. So at all these different levels, uh, you know, there are reasons why we think going through a process to account for your carbon emissions is really important. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in for this week's sustainability segment, we are talking about ways that we can reduce carbon emissions in our workplaces. Our guests are Austin Whitman, who's CEO of Climate Neutral, and Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. Austin, for, for many of your clients... Overseas manufacturing is a large part of their emissions. How do you advise companies to tackle these emissions? You're exactly right. It is a large part. In some cases, 90 to 95% of what a company uh, should consider itself to be responsible for. And there are no easy answers. Uh, I think when companies own their factories abroad, it certainly is a little bit easier, but most companies don't. They typically contract with other entities that do their manufacturing. And so 
they're a bit uh, kind of in the passenger seat when it comes to trying to figure out how to get those operations to, to reduce. But some of the cool partnerships that we've seen, uh, we see companies actually paying to install solar panels on the roof of uh, their contract manufacturers and um, and essentially using their own dollars to help another business out. Uh, and that, in turn, helps the other businesses that are manufacturing products in that same contract, contract mm-hmm. factory. Um, there are ways increasingly to purchase things like renewable energy certificates uh, for, for markets abroad, but that gets a little bit technical and, and, and is really just emerging as an option for companies. A lot of supply chain collaborations are forming where companies are getting together even with competitors to talk about how to bring better lower carbon raw materials into the production process and uh, and to create new ways of making things that use materials that don't generate as much carbon emissions. Um, but, you know, uh, these things take time. These partnerships take time to form and negotiate uh, and to implement. Mm-hmm. And so in the meantime, uh, climate change isn't slowing down, and we do think it's important for companies to continue to invest in things that are readily available, whether it's energy efficiency, as Karen mentioned, or um, or carbon credits that are uh, credible and, uh, and available today. Can you talk briefly about carbon offsetting? Because that's a part of your process as well. Mm-hmm. What's that? Yeah, carbon offsetting is um, it's a activity uh, that describes kind of taking money and putting it into a project that somebody else is managing where that project is going to lead to reduction or capture of carbon emissions uh, somewhere around the world. And carbon offset, carbon credit projects can happen in a whole wide range of different activities from waste management to better forest management to uh, electric vehicle charging infrastructure. And there are all kinds of interesting new technologies being used now to capture carbon. Um, So any any type of carbon offsetting relies on a project like this to remove or avoid carbon emissions. And it's a way for a company to increase or expand its investment immediately uh, while it's working on ways to invest within its own supply chain. But Karen, carbon offsetting is uh, is controversial, isn't it? There has been some controversy around carbon offsetting, and I think it really is in two categories. The one is just conceptually, this idea that you would offset as opposed to reduce is absolutely something people think about. And you know, is it delaying some of the reductions that could come directly from a business? It's certainly the case that you can't offset, you can't reduce absolutely everything. Right now, for example, airlines, there's no way to have full fuel throughout there that is fully carbon zero. So one question is conceptual, which is, is it slowing down the reductions? And then the second is in the execution of some of the offsets. And I think that's where a decent amount of that controversy has been because those offsets have to be additional. So you have to have the dollars drive additional savings or else it doesn't work. They have to be permanent or very long-term and quantifiable. So there have been some questions and some variation in some of those offsets. You know, but big picture, tightening up the offset structure around the emissions that can't be, in fact, reduced today you know, does seem to fit in a lot of the big pictures. But that controversy is real, and so the execution has to be strong. Before I let you both go, give us some success stories here. Karen, you first. Well, actually, one of the big successes is just this idea that employees are making this a requirement. 
Um, and I think another one has been to see the extraordinary numbers of innovation coming out of different teams in multiple sectors. So I don't think you can pick a sector where there isn't some kind of employee group engaged and driving change. And so that is the probably the biggest win is that everybody's in, every sector can be in, and we're starting to see concrete examples where you know local companies will talk about their product and how they have fundamentally changed how that it is made. I've seen this in local food companies, and it's because they had an employee team that got really engaged and mm-hmm. figured it out. Austin? We had a conversation just yesterday with a company that's been in business for 20 years, working on sustainability for 10, and they've never really had a hard conversation about how to tame their carbon emissions. Uh, but they got certified with us for the first time this past year. And now that they've gone through the process that we described, um, they actually have a number. They've got a number that they're paying for carbon, and uh, and that's forcing conversation about how do we get creative on reducing value chain emissions. So the fact that they've now put some discipline into carbon management and accountability uh, makes the conversation a lot more concrete, forces people to the table, gets them thinking uh, creatively about solutions and, and, and both in partnership with their suppliers as well as um, just internal partnerships across uh, across teams in the organization. So uh, we, we see a lot of that and um, believe that that's the real driver of, uh, of the change that we need to, to kind of continue to push on. That is Austin Whitman, CEO of Climate Neutral, and Karen Weigert, Reset Sustainability Contributor and Director of Loyola University's Baumert Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. Thank you both.